The latest Break the Mould podcast episode is right here, right now. Welcome back. Thank you for checking it out. Uh, let's get straight into it, shall we? Because I have a brilliant guest lined up for you today. Today, we have Adele. Not that one. The better one. Adele Bradley. The brilliant Adele Bradley. Um, in her own words, Adele is passionate about people, about their potential, about what they can achieve when someone shows them that someone else believes in them. Adele really strongly believes that everyone has potential and it's just all about how we go about unlocking it. Uh, Adele is also passionate about property, interior design, dogs. You might hear one or two of those uh, in the background of the interview. Uh, Self-development, writing and a whole host of other things that keep her interested and busy. Just the way Adele likes it. Um, Now, (coughs) excuse me. When I asked Adele for an introduction that she wanted me to share, to be fair, she could have just sent me, Adele is a bloody genius. And I'd have read it out, because this woman is a bloody genius. And you're about to find out why in this interview. The main two main reasons for me is in this interview, how Adele talks about coaching. You know, she says that brilliant thing about, if everyone in my company had a coach, we would fly. And the second big contributor to why I believe Adele is a genius is how she talks about emotional intelligence. And she particularly talks about this and brings it to life really, really well. And I don't want to, no spoiler alert, so I'm not going to go into it too much. The only thing I want you to do is listen out and think about this is when Adele talks about, if you're emotionally intelligent, you will get it. And I think it's a brilliant way of putting it. I think, again, particularly from a leadership point of view, it reminds us the importance of leaders being emotionally intelligent and that ability to have that self-awareness to be who we want to be. So listen out for that. The other thing I'd encourage you to listen out for, um, I know this might sound a bit stupid because that's what this podcast is all about, just really pay attention to Adele's authenticity. She's so honest in this. She's just absolutely herself. You know, no airs and graces, no punches pulled, just unapologetically herself. And that's brilliant because when you listen to somebody like Adele talking about the things that she's talking about in the way that she does, it reminds us that at the heart of it is human, is authenticity. Um, There's a brilliant quote, and I I am going to use it now because I want to set this up because I want you to listen out for this, where Adele talks about holding people accountable and working with people and understanding that we are human and things happen. And, you know, she talks about the first time is a mistake, the second time is a decision. And I really like that because we all need to make mistakes, we all need to learn from them. And often we jump to somebody's made a mistake, right? Decide that they're no good, not good enough for it. Decide they need training. Decide somebody else does it instead of them next time. You know, the reality is actually first time's a mistake, second time's a decision. Allow people to make those mistakes, allow people to learn from them. And, you know, I think the bit that Adele Tuts said in her intro there about everyone has potential and, you know, that finding somebody who believes in them, I think that really shows that in its truest form, what Adele's talking about there is actually when you believe in other people, it's okay for them to make mistakes. It's the second time a decision needs to be made and a collaborative decision to help them to not make those mistakes again. Um, Adele talks about this brilliantly, is that uh, how she's become the leader that she is today by not doing and being all the things that she's seen so many bad managers do. And I really, really appreciate Adele talking about this because it's something I feel really strongly about. 
there are bad managers out there. They're not necessarily bad people. They're, they're not being themselves. Therefore, they are becoming bad managers. And it's a bad experience when you're working with that particular bad manager. Yet, actually, we can learn so much from them. And we can choose to say, okay, Bob's a bad manager. What I can do is be the leader I want to be by not doing the things that are making Bob a bad manager. Um, and there's a lovely bit of what Adele talks about is... And I love the way she really articulates around coaching and how it truly helps people and how it can help people, even those who maybe don't want to change at first. And, you know, she talks about actually this motivation to change and what she's found from coaching and being more and most intelligent. And I think there's a great message about don't waste your time on people who refuse to change. I'm a big believer, and I say this to a lot of leaders that I work with, you are not actually responsible for the team that you lead in terms of their behaviours, in terms of their attitudes. And sometimes people don't want to change. And they use that bullshit excuse of, I can't change, that's just me. Fucking lie right there. Everybody can change. You just need to want to and have the willingness and motivation to do it. And I think Adele's a great way she talks about it is calling that out about don't waste your time on people who refuse to change and she talks about that in much greater detail than i'm going into here so really pay attention to that because i think it's relevant in every workplace it's relevant certainly for the coaches listening to this and leaders who want to coach their teams um and love the way she talks about how you have to commit to something and you know she talks about if you give up uh, halfway through nothing will change I think it's a brilliant reminder that actually when we want things to change, we have to be consistent, we have to be committed to it. We can't just wish for it to change or think, oh, I'll do half of it and it'll be all right. You've got to go the full hog. You've got to really invest your time and energy into making that change that you want to happen for you and those around you. Right, let's get Adele and her dogs on the podcast then, shall we? Enjoy listening to the genius that is Adele Bradley. I'll see you after her interview with the outro to ask you some coaching questions to help you to do something as a result of it. See you in a little while. Adele Bradley, absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Break the Mold podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. And so this is this bit where we pretend we haven't been talking and putting the world to rights and that we haven't <laughs> done some tarot cards and created the best coaching programme ever before we've pressed record. So listeners, watch out for Adele and I revealing all about that coming soon. <laughs> so Adele, let's start where we always start. What does being your true authentic self mean to you? Such a good question. What does being your true authentic self mean to you? I think one of the first things that's popped in my head when you've asked me that question is practice what you preach. Otherwise, you're just inauthentic straight away. So if I told my team or coached my team, do this, do this, do this, and I didn't do it, or I didn't role model those behaviours, or I wasn't embodying what I do for a living, I am seriously inauthentic. So for me, it's about being a role model. So if I am teaching leaders or coaching leaders or mentoring leaders, I am backing that up with real life examples about how I've done it in my team and what nice. when it went wrong, how it went wrong and how I fixed it, the yeah. awkward conversations that you've had and how you've got through them. Because if I don't have those examples, I'm immediately a fraud. 
immediately. So that was the first thing that kind of pinged into my head. He's like, do I embody exactly what I actually, my profession is every single day, every waking moment? I'd like to think I do. I check in with my team. I'm always asking my team for feedback. And they say yes. And they hold me accountable because I ask them to hold me accountable when I'm not. So, like, just a little example. We were with my team yeah. um, in a room and we were talking about a process that we did. Um, and one of the girl that works for me is like, I've been filling this farming exactly like we discussed a year ago. And I was like, so I said, the first reaction was so below the line and so at the bottom of the accountability ladder. I went, why didn't you tell me that I haven't been putting my stuff on there? And she turned around, she went, why are you accountable for your own behaviour? And I was like, nicely done, nicely called out. I was like, I actually did forget that we had to do that part of the process. I went, good that you've been doing it. I said, retrospectively, do you want me to go into that document and add all the stuff because it's in my notebook? Yeah. Or do we start from fresh now and thank you for holding me accountable? And they're like, well, there's no room for shrugging shoulders or blaming anyone in the team. And I want them to hold me accountable. So yeah. that's, I suppose, how I would start that question. Fantastic, Adele. I love that you said there, thank you for holding me accountable. I think there's a great challenge for people listening to this to think, yeah, am I thanking people for holding me accountable? And the example you shared at the end there is brilliant because that really, to me, advocates that you are practicing what you preach because it's your team are happy to call that out. You've created that environment where you can really enable them to call that out back for you. So I just want to ask you something on there because you're right. This practice, what you preach, is so important, isn't it? And it, you know, people who don't do that have zero self awareness. And he talks about role modeling. So, what I want to ask you is, what what are the role model attitudes and behaviours, and perhaps what have you seen others practice what they preach and yourself that grows that authenticity for people, particularly for leaders? What kind of things have you and maybe people you work with, what have you seen the role model that really drives that authenticity and leadership? The first thing that springs to mind is vulnerability. Because yeah. I think vulnerability helps people see that you're a real person. Sometimes in corporate society, we're expected to be not a robot, but a professional that is maybe results-driven, yeah. Actually, we're all human. We all go through hard times. And sharing our stories about how we overcame those hard times, how we learned from them, helps that connection. Yeah. And so for me, that vulnerability of being able to be brave enough to share your story, to show people that you're human, and actually you're just trying your best as well, that's where it starts for me because it creates that sense of trust because if I'm – honest with you about my struggles and how I overcame them, that releases something in you that goes, I can share my story. And yeah. then we start building a connection and forming a trust and we're being authentic and real with each other. Yeah. Thanks, Adele. It's a brilliant reminder, again, of that piece of, you're right, what we're told, so the world tells us money and power equals success and you know, you've got to be tough and all these kind of things and you're right actually being more vulnerable is a particularly from a leadership point of view is much much stronger i guess the question i want to ask you around that because there's a follow-up question to this and there's a bit i want to let's talk about bullshit basically and i'm <laughs> talking about the bullshit in our own hearts and minds because we know that not not all leaders are naturally vulnerable. We know no, many leaders no. 
all only do think about numbers and results and don't really care how yeah. they get there, don't care about the relationships that they build. Yeah. What do you, and particularly for people listening to this who may be facing that or maybe going through it themselves and want to change and be more vulnerable and be more open, what what's the kind of bullshit you, you think it is, is either you've experienced in your heart and mind that stopped you maybe doing that in the past or the bullshit you've seen other people experience in their hearts and mind that stops them? And what, what can people do to get over that? So that's a really great question, and I've got a really good example because it's something that's happened very recently. So there's a, there's a lack of there's a, there's a few things. So let's kind of get into it. There's will versus skill, right? Yes. You could want to want to change, or you could also not want to change. And the people that adamantly don't want to change, I'm not going to waste my time on. Yeah. Right? I'm not. I'm going to go with the people that are going to make that movement. But sometimes they don't know that they need to make that change because they've been operating in the same way, not inviting feedback in and not asking the questions that need to be asked. Yeah. So very recently, I did a program in my organisation for a senior leader that's about team development. Um, and it's about leadership culture, leadership direction, who you are as a leader within the business. And this leader said to me, I, I've never even thought about what type of leader I am. I've just done it. I've never yeah. actually sat down and peeled that apart. And throughout this program, his self-awareness was raised about the way that he conducted himself. And it wasn't in a bad way. It's just very results-driven and not that people-orientated. Okay. And, um, he had he had his self-awareness raised through this program and I never told anybody, I don't tell people you need this and you need to do that. I just plant the idea in the question and let them come to that conclusion. Yeah. And as we got towards the end of the program, he asked if I would coach him. And I said, absolutely, but as part of this coaching, we're gonna do a 360. Nice. So we did, we started with a 360. And the, what he'd observed about himself throughout that team development was reflected in his 360. And so he brought that as a goal to coaching, that he wanted to change his perception, his, his perspective from being results focused to being people's focused. Now, yeah. if he hadn't have gone through that program and if I hadn't have planted the seeds and if I hadn't have made him do that 360, would he kind of got there? No, he wouldn't because he was operating on a habitual basis, coming in, doing the same thing over and over again. Right. But he was getting results. He didn't yeah. want a different but it was like, let's just explore it a little bit deeper and how what your impact is of how you behave on your team and what the impact is on your people. And all these people said, we want more time here. We want to get to know you. We want to hang out. Come on, let's do it. He, he's like, this is incredible. Like, I am going to be a new person. And he's brought the will. So he wants to change and be part of this, which is great. But it was only by raising that self-awareness yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know sometimes. So I think there's, there's kind of three things, isn't there? There's people that don't want to change. They are working the way that they are working. They don't give a shit if they upset people yeah. because there's no consequences to their action because they're not being performance managed and they've always operated in that way. Those are the people that are on my radar next because if we can't bring them, you can take a horse to water, right, but you can't make it drink. Yeah. So I have done these team development programs and I have walked out of the room and they've all just gone back to doing exactly what they did because the leader didn't want to change, which brings me to my next phrase, which is be the change you want to see. Yeah. And if you are not being the change that you want to see, nothing is going to change. Yeah. So again, it's making them realise the importance of who they are as a leader and the impact they have. Because one of the things I say to leaders is, 
when your teams go home on a night and they're eating dinners with the families, we all talk about our boss. We all do it when we sat with our families. We talk about our boss and I say, what do you want them to say about you when they're having dinner with their family? What do you want them to say about you? Yeah. And you can see them out there thinking, I've never thought about that question. Yeah. Because you don't want them to go, my boss, he always cancels my one-to-ones. He doesn't listen to me. He just backs orders at me. Or do you want him to say, you know what? He really listens to me. He really connects with me. He wants to get me. And he understands me. And he appreciates me. Which, yeah. which is the one that you want them to, what do you want them to say? Like, which one? Which one do you want to be? So, to, I think I've rambled on a bit, bit there, Tim. But to summarise, I think you either, you don't want to change. You you don't know that you need to change, but you're open for it. Or you know that you want to change and you're happy to go on that journey. Yeah. With, where I see. That's my dog. Let me just shut the door. Brilliant. I love it that that's just happened. Would you need to confirm that was not neither I or Adele. That was Adele's dog. I've got a Rottweiler and she, when she does it at three o'clock in the morning, you so leave your body. You're like, oh, God, yeah. <gasps> what the hell? <laughs> I just imagine someone listening to it now thinking, did one of them just fall off a chair? <laughs> confirm, we're both all right. The dog's all right. No humans or animals were injured in Adele's last answer to the question. We're all fine. We're all fine. Oh, brilliant, Adele. You didn't ramble at all. Um, brilliant examples. And I think, yeah, I, I really like the way you bring in that back to that. And I think there's something that you said right at the start about don't waste your time on people who refuse to change. You know, I, I kind of think leaders listen to this. How many times do we do that? I've definitely done it. You know, how many times do you have to, I don't know, give feedback or change something in the team or the organisation? And all we do is think about, Oh, Neggy Nelly's not going to be happy about this. And you're right. I always challenge leaders to think about, well, focus on the people who will welcome it. You know, focus on the people who are going to drive this change with you. Focus on the people who are open to it. Build the engagement with them first and allow the Neggy Nellies to find their own path. You've got to set expectations with them and talk about that. I think you're right. I think if you're going to listen to this, we'll be able to recognize those three different examples of people willing or not willing to change. And I, I think the bit you said about get them to think about what they want their team to say when they go home is so important. It really holds yourself accountable to that. And, I, you know, I, I sum this up in a really like inarticulate way, but when I talk about people with that and they, and they kind of go, they don't think about that. And I go, I know it's weird, isn't it? Why, why would a leader not think, yeah, what do I want my team to say about me? I just, it's like weird, isn't it? That somebody wouldn't think that way yet. We don't because we're not encouraged yeah. to, we're too ingrained in let's get the results, let's get the work done, let's avoid the conversation. We, I, I think for me, there's a lot around human behaviour we either assume or hope will happen. Based yeah. on positive intent, it, yeah. uh, you know, your example before about your team holding your account yeah. is a good example of you breaking that mold because that's you creating an environment, that's you creating expectations. And so much of us not just assuming or hoping – is achieved by that is having the conversations and building those environments well that that brings me on to my next point right so what i find when i teach senior leaders about team development is we talk about contracting and i said how many of you sat down with your team and go how do you like to be managed how do you like to be given feedback what works for you what is the minimum standard that you expect from me this is the minimum standard i expect from you how do you want to work with me how do you want to do this when do you want to do this what does that look like and they say, no, I have never had that conversation, ever. Yeah. And I go, why not? And they go, well, it seems so obvious now you've said it. 
But yeah. I've never been brought that way. And if you think about it, Tim, if you think about all the managers that you've had through your life, the manager I am now, or the, I want to call myself a leader, not a manager, because managing is day-to-day tasks, right? Leading is something yes. else. Yes. But the leader I am now is a combination of all the bad managers I've had that I never wanted to be. So the impact they had on me and the way that they operated and how they did it, I've gone, I never want to be like that. I never want to be like that. I never want to be like that. And I have crafted who I am as a leader, which is authentic, true to self, practice what I preach, say what I mean, mean what I say, you know, be authentic, be vulnerable. You know, everything that I've ever learned from leaders is gone, I know exactly what type of leader I want to be because I've learned from you a lot. So in a way, thank you for being so crap because I yeah. never want to be like that. Like, I'm not even joking, Tim. I had a senior leader in my last job, not in this organisation, and she was a coach. And she would come out of a coaching session and sit with the team and tell everybody what was said in the coaching session. Oh, what? And you just think, but how could anybody ever trust you? But she was oblivious, completely oblivious to it. And you just think, I don't ever want to be like that, and I don't want to be like that, and I definitely don't want to be like that. Yeah. So I suppose that's helped me define who I am as a leader because yeah. of all that rap managers i've had over the years yeah that has to be one of the best definitions i've ever heard of a leader is <laughs> i am everything that i don't want to be based on the managers i've worked with yeah, yeah. do you know I, I, in fact there's probably a really simple exercise for people to do isn't there that are listening to this is, is just get a piece of paper out and write that down write down all the things you've seen other managers and leaders do that you will not do that you don't want to be like i think it's a really good way of motivating ourselves and like you just said there I will never be like that because it. I think for me, it enhances that ability to choose as a human because you can choose not to break confidentiality like that person you just described there was. You can choose to recognize how important it is that that person sharing those things in a coaching session and the way you build better trust, better rapport is to not speak about it. It's a choice. And it's that, you know, it goes back to the awareness, doesn't it? That that person doing that to me just clearly didn't have the awareness. Now, I just want to ask you, Something around, you know, you said there about the authenticity piece and, and for you it's about being authentic. And, and look, that person who's coming out of a coaching session and telling other people about it and not being authentic, there's no way that's their values is to break confidentiality or tell stories about other people. There's no way somebody's putting that on the map of the world. So in what you do, Adele, in, in, from a coaching point of view, and, and this, this is really interesting to look at it from a, you know, you work within an organisation, so you will work with many different leaders you will have the opportunity to influence change and pro- uh, progression in that organization. You'll also have sometimes a wider goal for the organization. The organization might say, we want better feedback to be given. We want better performance conversations. So you've also got that mix. So for you in the work that you do, Adele, in the organization where you work, what, how does coaching help your leaders to be more authentic? What a fantastic question. So... <clears throat> I think one of the things that the leaders realise when they undertake coaching is that the contracting document that we use, because contracting is quite thorough, it's 90 minutes long, and it's all about helping the coach get to know their coachee. So we do a SWOT analysis, we do public goals, private goals, we offer them 360s, we offer them insight sessions. Some of them have never been exposed to any of this. Okay, yeah. like, whoa, this is new, right? Um. But like it's that will versus skill, isn't it? It's like I, I do want to change. I want to be the best leader I can be. I want to. I want to do this. And I think the coach you've got is really important as well. But 
what I found with leaders is that maybe the first couple of sessions, they're still being their professional, articulate corporate self. Yeah. And I, I think I'm going to chip away at you. I'm going to get my little chisel out. I'm going to chip away at you. And I find that by me not placing judgment and not agreeing or disagreeing, because I'll have people come on and they'll chuck out a statement like, I can never do this, or I'm yeah. this. I'll put myself in a box and I'll say, well, first of all, is it true? Is it absolutely true? And if it is true, where's your evidence to support that statement? Nice. Nine times out of ten, Tim, have they got any evidence? No. Yeah. So I say, so why are you believing that story? Why are you holding on to it? And then they'll just look at you and they'll be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and then what I find is having that space in between coaching sessions allow them allows that reflective space, that reflective time. And then because I am so authentic and vulnerable with them, it creates that safe space for them to be authentic and vulnerable. But what I also find is that, and I encourage this, and this is part of my culture within my team, is that we have to offer feedback. So what I will say to my coaches is, can I offer you an observation of what I am seeing on how you're presenting yourself? And if they are coming across as false or disingenuous, I will talk about something that they've said, the impact it's had and how that ties in with the behaviour I'm seeing. So it's my job as a coach to like put that jigsaw together and go, actually, this is what I'm seeing as a coach, and it's my job to offer you that. And when you do that, you can see the, the you can see the penny drop, and they'll just be like, "Wow, my head's blown." And then they need to go off and they need to process it and they come back. And there's two reactions: they either fight against it or they go with it. And if you fight against it, you you keep you do that. Uh, you do you. Uh, you do you, Boo, right? I'm, not, I'm going to take the horse to water, but I can't make you drink. So all I can do is give you the self-awareness of yeah. what I'm seeing and the impact it has. And I think that what I've observed with those relationships is that as hard as that feedback is to hear, once they've processed it, nine times out of ten, they'll come back and thank me for it and say it was one of the most fundamental things that they've ever had because no one's ever given them feedback before. Because yeah. I don't know what like, organisations you've worked in, Tim, but people don't like having a difficult conversation. They avoid yeah. it at all costs, and the impact is horrendous because it creates bad feeling. And it, if you've got a team and someone's behaving badly and those behaviours aren't challenged or given feedback or done something with, everyone in the team can think they can behave like that. And then you yeah. start getting a really bad culture, behaviour breeds behaviour, and you're off. And one of the things I do in my team is the second anybody does something, I go, let's just have a chat about that. And what? But the thing is... The reason why people don't get upset with me is because I say, when I offer the observation, I say, my desire to give you this feedback comes from a place of good intent. I am not here to make myself feel good. I am not here to make you feel bad. I am not here because I'm trying to cause drama or, you know, get an ego for myself. What I am doing is in my truest, rawest, authentic self is I want to help you be the best that you can be. And yeah. that's why I'm giving you this observation or this feedback. Because if I don't, you'll continue to make the same mistakes, have the same impact and have the same reputation. If you want to do that, I'm not going to stop you. But if you want to change and you are truly invested in this, then let's work together on what I've observed to help you be yeah. the best you can be. And it comes from a good place and it comes with love. And I say that before I do it. And I think if you can signpost that of why you're giving that observation and why you're giving that feedback, eventually people will be more receptive to it. Thank you for it and appreciate it. Yeah, beautiful, Adele. I love 
Uh, I love it too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do apologise. We've, we've had a dog and now a sneeze. I do apologise. That, that's what this podcast is. We're real. We ain't editing that out. You get what you get it as it is. So I do apologise. Excuse me. Um, the bit you said about chip away, I, I really like that as a term. I, I, I think leaders could learn a lot from that in terms of looking at the team, you know, particularly if they take over a team, they think, oh, Tim's in this team and Adele's this and they've been here for ages. Just actually taking a step back and going, okay, I might need to chip away at Tim and Adele. I might need to give them some feedback. I might need to take a bit of time and allow those people to change over time because we know human behaviour, it's very, very rare. It changes like that. You know, we, do, we don't decide today to change something that happens tomorrow. That's rare. Sometimes that happens. It's rare, particularly in the workplace. So I think that chipping away bit, and you're right around the feedback. People just don't do enough of it. And then if I get silenced, well, I think I'm doing a good enough job, so I'll carry on doing it. Uh, what you said towards the end there, Adele, is really important. Explain the why behind the feedback. That, to me changes the perception that it's a difficult conversation because that changes it to now I'm just going to have an open conversation. I'm going to help this person. And you're right, in that conversation, people then want to open up. They want to drop the professional facade. They want to drop the self-preservation and the fear. And they want to say, I'm making this mistake because of this. I'm not doing that because of this. I didn't know about that because of this. They start to just take it back to themselves, don't they? And really, like you say, appreciate that feedback. Awesome stuff, Adele. Now, let me ask you, um, this this uh, partner is, is something that we're doing in Series 2, so I ask every guest. So I'm going to ask you in a moment, what must a leader always do, sometimes do, and never do? I'm going to ask you in that order. Sometimes yeah. mix it up, but I will go with that order for you, and we'll do it one at a time. So let's start uh, with what must a leader always do? Uh, there's so many answers to this question, so I'm going to figure out which is number one priority. <laughs> Oh, wow. I'd love to know the answers you've had to this as well. What must leaders always do? Do you know, it's so it's such an interesting question because there's so, I think leaders have a lot of expectations putting on them. They've got to manage a team. They've got to be a counsellor. They've got to be a role model, lead direction, listen to people, sort out drama. They're like mum, dad, teacher, everything yeah. rolled into one. And when you look at leadership, it can be quite overwhelming. So what I would say is the one thing that they should always do is just turn up and be be them. And if they make a mistake, put their hands up and say, I'm only human too, I'm still learning. And allow that vulnerability to create that trust in the team. Because I've read Brenny Brown's Dare to Lead and she talks a lot about yeah. vulnerability connection and it's a phenomenal book but I think for me is if I had a, a leader that turned up and maybe they snapped at me in the morning because they were tired and they had a lot of stuff on if they just said to me listen Adele I'm really sorry I didn't mean to snap at you I've got so much on you know that's not the behaviors I would ever want in this team and I shouldn't have done it if leaders can operate in that rather than just going well I'm the boss so do as I say don't challenge me yeah that, that changes everything I mean, there's so many other things they have to do and it can be overwhelming for them. But I think it's just turning up and showing everybody that you're just trying your best to and that you're yeah. human and you've got a life and you've got shit going on and you can relate to everyone. Because if you are so far removed and you're driving around in your 250 grand car and you're wearing your fancy suits and you're just dismissive of people, then what? you're never going to get anyone to buy in or trust you or see connect to you. Yeah. And for me, it's not that connection, Tim. 
So just just turn up and just be you and just be honest with it. You know, if shit's going wrong, tell people. And But a lot of people don't want to do that or are afraid to do it or are scared to do it. But what I found is it gets the best results. Yes, totally. So that, that's my one thing. Amongst all the million other jobs that leaders have to do, that would be my one thing because I've I've worked in so many organisations where leaders have come in and they've just sat in the corner and not even said good morning and you just think, oh, yeah. what a bitch. But you don't know that the dog haven't been sick all over and the kids have thrown up everywhere. They've had a row, the car's broken down and they just yeah. need half an hour. So they've come in and sat in the corner. But my impression is, you fucking ignorant bitch, you've ignored me. Yes. And it's just that, you know what, guys? I've just had the shittiest morning in the fucking world and yeah. I can't wait for anyone for half an hour. I just need to sort my head out. That changes everything. Yeah. So it's just that that would be mine, I think. Yeah, you know, and thank you. And I think that that is a brilliant example of what you're talking about. Everybody will be able to relate to that. The leader walking in and, and you know, they, they set the tone. And I think you're right, actually. I, I was speaking to a group the other day, actually, and I'm not going to go into it, but there's been some changes in the organisation, let's say. So sort of senior leaders are kind of public enemy number one. And I challenged them and said, well, how do you think they're feeling? What do you think they're going through? How awkward are they going to feel seeing you in the office, knowing that these changes have impacted on you? And, you know, it's, it's that it doesn't excuse any other behavior or, you know, silence, lack of communication. It's just that ability to stop and go, yeah, I get it. I can see it from their point of view. And you're right from the leader. It's the opportunity to help people understand how they're feeling. And I think the bit about owning up to the mistakes, I, I won't, I won't say too much about this, so an organization I worked at, they had a conference every year and every year the president would uh, uh, they would stand on the stage and do a talk and something happened at the conference the year before. It was well known. It was very inappropriate. It wasn't the president of the company. It was, it was a well-known employee and people talked about it and laughed about it and it was completely wrong, completely inappropriate. Um, there had been jokes and everything else that, at which the president was aware of. The following year, he stood on stage and apologised that he allowed that to happen. Not that he allowed the incident to happen, because he couldn't have prevented that. There was nothing to do with him. He allowed the culture to make fun of that, to, to, to suggest that that behaviour is acceptable, and the person who was involved with no longer works at the organisation. And he's standing there and saying, I'm sorry. It was like this tidal wave went across the company and everybody went, oh my God, he's right. And I can now go and apologize for my mistakes. I can put my hand up. He probably did it on purpose. That doesn't devalue it. He probably knew the impacts. It was just, you know, this was an organization full of egotistical salespeople, very male oriented bravado. And that man stood there and he apologized for something that everybody had laughed about. And it was literally, you could feel the room change. And I saw that for the year or two that I was there after that, the culture changed. It did. It went completely more human centric and it changed it. And I think you're right that the vulnerability. I also love uh, the best motivation ever to give people feedback. If shit is going wrong, just tell people. I think it's a fantastic way of putting it, Adele. Thank you. Right. Uh, what will stay leaders sometimes do? Um, Check, check in with their teams more because what some people do is they go, well, I've got a one-to-one once a month. Why do I need to speak to any more than that? But do you know what? If they told you something that one-to-one, just sometimes check in that they're all right. Sometimes yeah. I've wondered. So if you've got someone who's self-sufficient and cracks on, doesn't mean that they're not human, right? They don't need to wait another month. If they shared something with you at your one-to-one, just, just sometimes check in. Sometimes yeah. just, you know, 
it's nice. I send on a Friday morning, I send all my stakeholders a quote every Friday morning. And yeah. that's just a little check-in to say, I'm still thinking about you. And I'm thinking about you on this Friday morning. I'm sending you a little motivational quote. And they all get one on Hangout. And um, for me, it's like just I sometimes, it's not, it, I don't sometimes do it. I do it every Friday. But it is sometimes because it's, you know, not every day. It's yeah, just yeah. like just check in with people. Yeah. Make, often make them a cup of tea. Bring some business in. It's just the little things that sometimes just because I'm as a leader, I've thought about you. Yeah. And I've thought about the team. And I, this is yeah. the way I'm doing it. And I think, you know, just showing someone that they're appreciated and you thought about them mean, means a lot to a lot of people because a lot of people in their lives don't have anyone that does that. Yeah. And if you can do that, then that might add a little bit of sunshine to somebody's day. Yeah. I love it. There's also a little bit there of, you're right, not everybody has that in their life and they often don't expect it from a leader. So from a leader, actually, it helps you to stand out. And so you know the quote you've got to send next week, next Friday, is if shit is going wrong, just tell people. Adele Bradley, done. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the third part of this, uh, Adele, what must a leader never do? So this is this is fantasy world. Right, I'm going to say this right. I'm just yeah. a leader telling people what to do. Okay. It, you need to stop telling people what to do. Yes, don't get me wrong, right? There's situations and times that call for it, right? Where you need yeah. to be directive. But on a day-to-day basis, you would get so much more out of every single person if you just changed it into a coaching conversation. Yeah. And that's all it is, is change what you're going to say into a question rather than a statement and get them to think about themselves. And the, the thing that I go with, Tim, on this I always say, if everyone in my organisation had a coach, we would be unstoppable as a company. We would tear the roof off this company and we would just make absolute waves. But we are so command and control and target-driven and busy and one thing from the next, and it's like, coach people, do it. Stop telling people what to do and start asking questions. And I don't think people, I'm too busy to coach. I'm too busy to coach. I ain't got time for this. I got, shut up. It takes two more minutes. Yeah. Shut up. Um, yeah. So my rule would be stop telling people what to do because I never tell my team what to do. And they're allowed to make mistakes and they're empowered and they have my full trust. And it's okay to make a mistake as long as you learn from it. Because if you make it again, we're going to have a conversation. But if you make it a third time, so the way I see it is the first time is a mistake, the second time is a decision. Yeah, nice. Talk about that. Because you did yeah. that before and you haven't learned from it. So why has it happened again? So we have that further discussion. But I, I'm like, my team are allowed to make mistakes as long as we discuss it afterwards and what happened. We share our learnings with each other. I tell them when I've effed up. I tell them why and how I learned from it and what I did. And that encourages that behaviour. So, yeah, I don't tell my team what to do unless I need to be directive over a few things. But that's very rare. They'll come to me. Actually, it's quite funny. They'll come to me. They'll pick up the phone and go, Adele. And then they'll ramble on for a bit and I'll say, okay, do you want me to tell you what to do or do you want coaching? And they'll say, I need you to be directive. I'll go, right, let's be directive. I'll say, just coach me around it. Now, that's because they understand the difference. Not a lot of people do. So my question would be, if you understand the difference, then fair enough. But mine would be, just stop telling people what to do and just start asking questions. You're going to see such a transformation. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, just shut up and coach. Yeah. Yeah, allow them. Uh, that bit you said there about it is so powerful for people listening to this. First time is a mistake, second time is a decision. 
It's really, really powerful. And I love the way you've created that environment to help people to understand, first of all, what coaching is. And I know you work in a, an L&D, a people team, whatever word we want to use to describe that area of the business. Yet leaders can help their teams to understand the coaching piece and like say, help them to make the choice because it's really empowering, isn't it? That actually, I just need to tell me what to do. No, I want you to coach me because I want to make this decision. I think your time, you're right. It might take two minutes extra. You get 20 minutes back in the future because that person just gets on with the job. And right. it, the example that I use, Tim, very quickly in this is that if, if, if you come to me and ask me a question and I tell you what to do, right, if it fails, you can blame me. You're not empowered and there's no trust, right? Yes. If you come to me and I coach you, you own that idea, you're empowered and you can go off and do it and it creates trust between us. Yeah. So which one am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. It's not hard, but people don't see it because they don't sit down and think about it because they're always operating in the same way. Yeah, oh, oh we because we have a desire to help people, which we don't recognise and doesn't get talked about enough from a psychology point of view, in my view, is we do have a desire to help people as a human. So I think by giving you the answer, I'm helping you. I think what you said there is, again, I really want anybody listening to this to remember what you just said there about if I give you the answer, you're not accountable. Or if I give you the answer, you can blame me. And you're right, this, this view of accountability, of telling people what to do, removes accountability. Right, we, we might have just set this question up lovely there because uh, I think people who do tell people what to do all the time would fit into this dickhead category. <laughs> so the question I ask every guest, uh, uh, Adele, how can our audience stop themselves from being a dickhead? So this is an easy one for me. People don't know how to communicate properly. People don't listen. People have assumptions yeah. and judgments. So if you want to be a dickhead, if you want to stop being a dickhead, Stop judging people because you're not perfect. You haven't lived the fucking perfect life and you haven't done everything perfectly. So who are you to judge anybody else? So yeah. remove your judgment straight away. That'll make stop you from being a dickhead. Don't go in with assumptions about other people's mindsets, other people's behaviours without remaining curious because you don't know. You've told yourself a story in your head and if you go in with that story, World War III is going to break out. So don't, don't just don't have a judgment. Don't have an assumption. And... <laughs> the thing is communicate listen but people don't know how to listen they're listening to respond they're not actually listening to understand one of the key things i say is that it's easier to judge than it is to understand and we need to remove that stop judging people with your own assumptions and your own perception and your own framework and your own blends take that off and just listen yeah because being not listening, you know as well as I do, Tim, when someone's not listening to you. You just think, why am I even speaking? If their eyes glaze over, you can see that they're thinking about something else. And you just think, yeah. you're not listening to me. So listen, don't make assumptions and don't make judgments. will stop you from being an ultimate dickhead. Yeah. There's the T-shirt right there, isn't it? <laughs> Get that printed. <laughs> Uh, what's really, really great about what you just talked about there, Adele, and a lot of it goes back to what you were reminding us about before, around those choices as a human being. And you're right, you know, the listening piece is so important. And it's that bit of, as a human being, you will have judgments in your heart and mind. You will have assumptions. You can't stop that. You know, it's like when you and I join on this video call, our backgrounds, our mind might make a, a judgment of, why has Tim got this picture over here? Why has Tim got that picture over here? You can't stop that. that. That's your heart and mind working as it's intended to. What we can do is choose to respond. And that's exactly what you're talking about there. He's saying, you don't have to act on that. 
you can in, you can turn around to it and be curious and go, well, actually, I've no idea what Adele's going to say when I ask this question. I've no idea what's going to happen in this meeting. I might I might assume because I know the person, or I might have a judgment. Actually, I've no idea until I ask that question, and that that is within everybody's gift. Everybody has that ability. So thank you. I think that is is a brilliant way of looking at it in terms of not being that dickhead. He's not acting on those judgments, not allowing those assumptions to determine what happens. Like I say, listening, being curious and creating that environment to find out for real rather than actually judging or assuming. And you know what? You're so right. Because I find, Tim, it's all driven by your emotional intelligence. Oh, yeah. If you're emotionally intelligent, you get it. But what I see is people don't have any self-awareness of their impact that they have on others and they don't have any emotional intelligence. And it's like, I will fully admit to anyone when I'm stood in front of them that I had no emotional intelligence for about 35 years. I was conditioned from birth to judge people, to not listen, to behave like how my parents behaved or yeah. be a certain way. Um, I couldn't understand why I didn't have any friends and why I kept upsetting people. And as soon as I started the self-awareness piece with emotional intelligence and learning about it and studying, I was like, oh, my God, what kind of person have I been over these last 35 years? And now, you know, you learn from your mistakes, don't you? But I'm happy to admit that and say, I wasn't thinking, I used to, if people used to upset me, I'd just react straight away on my emotions and I'd say foul and horrible and bad things. And and I'd be like, oh, they'll be fine once I've calmed down, you know, whatever. But actually, how you respond and how you manage your emotions is key to everything. That's one of the quotes I sent out this morning, actually, my Friday quotes. Brilliant. Um, can I read it to you? Yeah. Can yeah. I read you the quote? Yeah. Amazing. Let me get you the quote. So it says, Emotional intelligence is a way of recognising, understanding and choosing how we think, feel and act. It shapes our interactions with others and our understanding of ourselves. It defines how and what we learn and it allows us to set priorities. It determines the major of our daily actions. Research suggests it's responsible for as much as 80% of the success in our lives. Yeah. Beautiful. Is that Daniel Goleman then, with the 80%? He he gets attributed to Daniel Goleman a lot, the 80% of success. Uh, I mean, he's like the modern... Godfather of emotional intelligence, if you ask me. I, you know, you're right, emotional intelligence get you further in life than anything else. And I think there's a brilliant, you've uh, uh, you, you've done this a lot on this podcast. I think, again, you've just articulated the, the value of self-awareness really well. Not not in a, in a quote as such, but your own experience there where you know, you'd behave in a particular way. You'd maybe been conditioned or taught to think like people or behave or live a life like certain people. When you get that self-awareness, it allows you to change and it allows you to go, okay, I understand why I've behaved that way. That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't mean that my life is over. It doesn't mean nobody's ever going to like me because what it does is say, I can now choose this response. I can change that. And that's okay that I've learned from my experience, perhaps mistakes. It allows us to move forward. You know, that, that for me, what you just, that example there, Adele, just really, really demonstrates that value of self-awareness. It, to me, it is the only superpower we can have as a human being. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Let me ask you our final question then. Okay. Uh, and this might be a, a bit of a summary of what we talked about. It might be some tangible advice. Uh, why must it always start with you? Who else is it going to start with? Be the change you want to see. You know, that's it's as simple as that. 
Because if, if I am not doing it, then no one else is going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, always starts with you, doesn't it? And it's like um, coaching wasn't really a thing in our company um, until I came along and went, we need to do something different. I think coaching is going to be the new leadership currency and I think it's going to become more prevalent. Yeah. And no one else was that invested and I fought for it and I wrote a strategy and I did it all on my own and I created everything. And I, it was resilience and determination because I knew it was the right thing to do. But if I hadn't have done any of that, we'd still be in a position where coaching wasn't a thing in this company. Yeah. It has to start somewhere and why not you? Yeah. And this is what I say to every single person I speak to within my company is that you can do anything you put your mind to. Barriers are perceived. They are not real. You can move past them, through them, over them, under them, or blow them up out the way. But you need to know that you are truly focused on making it happen. Because if you give up halfway through, then nothing will change. It starts with you. And if you do it, the, the, the results will speak for themselves. And we've had phenomenal results because I believed it was the right thing to do. And I only needed one stakeholder to buy into me to make it happen. And it yeah. was the HR director and she did. She saw it. And we've had such fantastic results. And it's like, it started with me. Nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody else really kind of saw the value in it. And I went, watch, watch what I do because I know this is going to make, create a movement. Watch it. And it did. And so there, that's what I would say, be the change you want to see. If no one else is going to do it, who else is going to do it? It's like that story is about somebody, nobody, maybe, and the other person, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> thought everyone was going to do it, but nobody did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, I, I'm one of those people that if I see something and I think we can make a change here, a positive impact, what do I need to do? to influence the right people. And in my company, change doesn't happen overnight. You have to chip away at it. Yes. But yeah. I've always held that fiery passion in my heart that I knew what the results would bring. And to see people come to me now going, oh, my coachie's bought me flowers, or my coachie said I've changed their lives, or my coachie has been promoted. I'm just like, and that is why we're doing this. Yeah. Doing it because we are authentic, we're unselfless, and we know it's a privilege and an honour to get people where they need to be. I just love it. I, I feel, Adele, you've just had your true mic drop moment there. I, I don't <laughs> think I need to add or say anything. That was beautifully put. Thank you. Thank you. I love right. what I do. Do what you love, love what you do, right? Yeah, and do you know what, Adele? That really shines through. It really, you. really I, you know. For me, you're you're a shining example of that person who doesn't need to say I love what I do because it just for me comes through the screen because we're recording this virtually and and you know <laughs> comes through on the LinkedIn uh, post that you do. You know, you and I, I suppose we sort of bumped into each other at coaching culture conference, didn't we, last year? Um, yeah, I just I remember her. me saying Costa del Leeds. But, it, it, you know, and I mean that in a compliment because, you know, look, yes, I'm a coach. I'm very, very passionate about authenticity. I'm very passionate about emotional intelligence, very passionate about coaching. And, you know, your passion shines through in that. And, look, I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass. It's to me that I wanted you as a guest on here because you have that authenticity and that passion. And that's what the listeners get the most from. It's not from me. I ask the same bloody questions every episode. They probably mute me and wait for other people to answer. That's fine. Keep doing that, listeners. You know, that, that for me, I'd really advocate what you talked about there. That's why I say it's a mic drop moment because everything I see you do, the way you talk, that comes through. And it it's important 
to recognise that, I think particularly based on what you just said, because, you know, like you said, who else is it going to start with? So people listening to this, if they're thinking, yeah, I want to, whatever it might be, I want to get coaching into the organisation. I want to change my job. I want to give this feedback. I want to lead my team in a different way. I want to leave the business and go somewhere else. Whatever it might be that they're thinking, to me, your passion and that drive for that is, is really reminding people we can do that. It, it's up to us. It's about choosing how to do it and putting that passion into it. Amen. Awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, now's the time, and this is often the bit that guests say this is the hardest bit. Uh, is your no, book. I've, I've already written them down. Oh, you're <laughs> a star. <laughs> you <laughs> are a star. I wrote them down straight away because I was like, I know what my book is and I know what my album is. And I'm looking forward to this question. Tim, you I have to. That's all right. right. Yeah, I'll let people get away with that. Uh, let's do your two books first, then. Do your uh, do your reading ones. What what's, uh, what's what are two books that everybody must read? You are the placebo by Jodie Spencer. Yeah, phenomenal because it changes. It what he talks about is how your thoughts manifest your reality. So, for example, if you got up every day and you were like, my life's shit, I can't do this, this is everything that's wrong, that's essentially going to manifest into your life and your life will be the same. If you got up every morning and you were like, I'm going to have a good day today, this is what I'm going to do, this is how I want my life to turn out, you will manifest that reality. I mean, the book goes into it in a lot more detail, but essentially it's how you think what your thoughts are about and how they can affect your life in a way that you wouldn't even perceive. Because if you constantly think negative thoughts, you'll probably end up ill. And you wouldn't associate it with that. So that's a phenomenal book for anyone struggling with their mindset. I would highly recommend that for anyone who wants to start differently. It's phenomenal. And then I went on to get You Are Supernatural um, with Joe Dispenza, but that's a bit more like tarot card, witchcrafty. So maybe I won't. Once you've read that, you might want to read the one. The next book, and this book, I listened to it three times on Audible and then I bought the hard copy so I could make notes in it and I took her works and implemented it into my organisation uh, we now do thinking environments in uh, where I work oh, and it's not think... time, time to think phenomenal yeah. book and it's, yeah. it's been a changer as a thinking environments in work because we're teaching people to do meetings differently and yeah. they are wild afterwards when they go oh my god that was the best meeting I've ever been in and I go different way of working but you yeah. always do what you always know and you always get the same results unless Adele comes in and goes hey well, there's a different way of doing this let me show you yeah yeah I I, I totally I thank you for the first recommendation I've not read that one at the time oh my gosh, love it. honestly read that book I'll get it on audible it's a game changer thank you yeah it, it, and then that, I mean, my reading list during this podcast and the amount of money I'm spending on books is just like uh, frightening, really. But the, the time to think by Nancy Klein, yeah, I would definitely advocate that. I think for leaders, I probably won't get the articulation right with this. The question that she uses a lot in the thinking environment around what are the negative assumptions that you need to remove to to see this differently or to change this. I can't remember the exact articulation. I've used that in coaching sessions. I've used it in team coaching sessions. And it's it, it links back to your first book recommendation, actually, because it makes people challenge and go, yeah, we're blocking ourselves. We're telling ourselves this is going to happen. And we don't, we haven't had the conversation yet. You're right. It just changes it to a thinking environment rather than a, we've got to do something straight away environment. Right, Adele, uh, now you've got to top that with your music recommendation. So what's an, an album or song that everybody must listen to? 
Well, my favourite album is Dr. Dre 2001 because I'm a little gangster at heart, right? That's why I've got a Rottweiler. <laughs> <laughs> and I wear a suit when I'm out walking because I think I'm bad, man. I'm bad. <laughs> so I'm just like, you listen to the album when you're driving and you'll be like this. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, do you know what? It's just one of those albums that I listened to when it came out, obviously in 2001. I was 21 back at the time. And I just remember thinking, this is just awesome. Every single track on it is awesome. And it just, it's been one of those albums that I never get bored of listening to. Yeah. And I think I'm a little gangster when I listen to it. And I think I'm going to get, get my gangster vibes up. And you know, I go around my head office and I go, what up, gangsters? That's how I greet my stakeholders. And they just start laughing. They think it's hilarious. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> it's just fun. Everyone's yeah. too serious right, in the corporate world. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to your listeners. Go grab a cup of tea, put Dr. Dre 2001 on and get gangster, get crunk. <laughs> Go and get a cup of tea and put Dr. Dre on. I bet that wasn't the marketing strap line, was it, for the record company? It probably goes back a spliff up and goes, Smell weed every day. That's, <laughs> embarrassingly, that's the only bit I remember from that album. Honestly, you need to listen to it again because she'll just be like, this album's so... Like, yeah. when everyone references putting his daughter's mother in the, the seat while she's dead and driving around California with you, just... But the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, now I'll listen to it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, what a brilliant way to end where we both remind ourselves of our misspent youth. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, Adele. Thank you so, so much. You've been an absolute superstar. I can't believe how much we've covered in, in, in an hour or, you know, however long this interview is. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, so thank you so, so much, Adele. People are going to get so much from this. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being such a phenomenal host. And, you know, if you ever want me back, I'm more than happy to come back. I can chat shit for days, so no drama. Deal. Tim and Adele uh, podcast coming soon. Cruising, cruising podcast. Cruising podcast, of course. We can record it whilst on the yacht when we're running our coaching programme. Boyaka. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Dr. Dre's pumping out the yacht. I know, I'm just thinking, that's the thing, that's what I might go and do. I might go and put a bit of Dr. Dre on after this. There's a sentence I don't say very often. <laughs> Oh, what a fun afternoon, I love it. Well, go and enjoy the rest of your day, Adele. Thank you very much and hope to see you soon. You too, darling. See you Thank later. You. She's a superstar, isn't she? Adele Bradley, genius at work. That's the sound she should have on her desk. <laughs> uh, I really hope you've enjoyed it. I'm, I'm sure you've laughed. I'm sure Adele's made you think. I, I, I hope that her Leeds accent, Costa Del Leeds, as she refers to it, will stick in your mind and make you think about what it is you want from work, what it is that you can do to be your true authentic self. And uh, there's some coaching questions that I prepared to help you with that based on the interview with Adele. Um, 
I, I want to. I, I mentioned this in the intro. You know, I do this a lot in the podcast, and there's that. You know, the idea behind that is actually sandwiching it, so helping you to think about the key themes, the key points that Adele shares. So, I just want to ask you about what other things you will not allow yourself to do as a leader. So, just going back to that uh, bad managers and how Adele's learned a lot in terms of being the leader she is today by uh, not doing the things that bad managers do. So, what other things you will not allow yourself to do as a leader? This is maybe something to write out as a list. To, to look at regularly, you know, maybe going into meetings or, you know, perhaps uh, when people need some feedback from you or certain things happen that put the pressure on, just remind yourself the things that you will absolutely not allow yourself to do as a leader. Um, I want to ask you a question using the phrase that Adele uses around how can you chip away at yourself to be better? I, I love that phrase and I think it's a it's real, isn't it? We have to chip away at ourselves. Again, this thing that Adele talks about, about if you give up on something halfway through, nothing will change. It is about chipping away. You're not the finished article. I'm not the finished article. There's almost a little bit of just keep chipping away at ourselves and that kind of you know, finished statue of ourselves might be ready by the time we're ready to retire. So actually accept it is about chipping away at ourselves and what, how can you chip away at yourself to be better? Um, there was something just to build on that. Uh, I thought Adele uh, talked about this brilliantly, and I want you to think about what are your real-life examples of what works well for you and what you could do better. So take a bit of time to actually think about your real experiences, the real examples of where you've done things really well and the things you're confident in, the things you enjoy, versus the things that you could still do even better. And look, again, it's a great thing to do with your team. It could be a really open conversation to have and just get that out in the open so that you talk about real-life examples. I think it's a great way of actually every team should know the story of the people around them and what it is they've done in their career so far, their experiences, to help them to know what they do well and what they could do even better. Uh, next question I want to ask you, how can you be more vulnerable to show others you are a real person? it's just so eloquently put in terms of what Adele talks about there is that real people have challenges. There's things that we feel vulnerable about. There's things that we feel nervous about. I feel nervous every time I press record on this bloody microphone to do another podcast. That's okay. Other people will feel that way. So how can you be more vulnerable to show others that you are a real person and linked to that, how can you help to give self-awareness to others so actually, as a leader, when you role model that vulnerability and you talk about the things that you find challenging, you talk about the things you want to do even better, that's a, a demonstration of self-awareness. So it encourages people. It leads by example for others to grow that self-awareness. So how can you help to give self-awareness to others? A final uh, question that I want to ask you, uh, how much time might you be wasting in trying to get other people to change who don't want to change and what else could you do with that time and energy i i, I centered on this in the introduction because i think it's so important and doesn't get talked about enough and adele and i talked about it adele was brilliant about it and you know this, this bit about challenging ourselves that actually we can spend a lot of time on underperformers and a lot of time that underperformers is because they don't want to do things differently they just want to dig in cover their own ass save themselves you know and actually don't waste your time and energy 
agree what's expected of them, celebrate when they do well, recognize the contribution, actually make sure that they understand you're not going to waste your time and energy trying to change them. And, you know, by recognizing that, then actually asking yourself, what else could you do with that time and energy? Imagine just taking a little bit of time away from the people who don't change and spend it on the people who want to change, the people who want to progress. You know, wow, what a better experience that'll be for you in your role as a leader. Right, uh, you're welcome. You know, if you've never met Adele before, I've just introduced you to a bona fide genius, especially when it comes to coaching and emotional intelligence. So go and enjoy whatever you're doing. I'm sure it's put a smile on your face listening to Adele. I'll see you back here for the next podcast. Remember, it always starts with you. Keep smiling. Keep being you.